Pocahontas economic plan. No, I'm oh. fine. I don't need to see that. Come on. <laughs> you know what? Beto could have been aborted. He you himself. Know. He don't care. Himself. He don't care. And and Trump is destructive as Stalin? What? <laughs> I don't know. I can't wait to get to this. Breadline Bernie on China. I love a good commie on commie interaction. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, the water boy. Hey. Just a bunch of rowdy Presbyterians on the Fight Left Feast Network. It's such a great network, too, man. I know. Oh, hey, man, so we've, been, we've been blessed by the other shows that have joined us. Amen. So, if you guys, if someone wants to move to Moscow... Oh. And 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 actually work in Moscow. Uh, my my buddy Nathaniel Ely Ely Construction is actually hiring a a lead uh, foreman. Come on down. I, I know carpenter, so, lead carpenter, lead foreman. Same you know, same thing. I don't know bit, if that's yeah. the same thing at all. So if you does have, he know you're reading this for him? Is he? Yeah, he does. Is yeah. he okay oh, with okay. this? I told him. I told him. I told him we mess it up all the. I mess it up all the time. So mm. don't you speak for me, Sorry, Nathaniel. If, if you have ten years of full time residential construction experience, love remodeling, would consider moving to the town. Recently voted. I hate when Nathaniel puts this in there. Don't say that. I know. I know. Recently voted the best town in America to raise a family. Ely Construction has a lead carpenter position open. So go to elyconstruction.com forward slash lead for details. But there's some caveats here. Okay. If uh, if you aren't very driven, if you don't want to pursue excellence, if you don't have uh, more than 10, year, 10 years or more experience, it don't apply. If you don't baptize your babies. Wait, is that one in there? Uh, you know, he didn't put that in <laughs> okay. there. He, he, he ain't doing that. Well, if, I'll talk to Nathaniel if you can't build that. a house from ground up, don't apply. Mm. If you're looking for a long-term career, if you're not looking for a long-term career with a team who counts it a privilege to work together, don't, don't apply. apply. Mm. Do you like right. cats? Don't. Are you gone? Sorry. Are you gone? So it boils down to if, you, if you're a master craftsman, if you want to live in Moscow, if you're humble, hungry, and people smart, then apply. So go to Ely Construction. Uh, forward slash lead. Can I just say I love you know, I love that we get a chance to do this to yeah. offer opportunities for people to fun. move to Moscow. Yeah, no. That's amazing. Yeah, pretty fun. Praise yeah. God. Also, um, huge thank you to our our club members. Mm. Um, thank you for uh, partnering with mm-hmm. us to build a Christian social yeah. media platform. Yes, yeah. um, Amen. because um, we want to you know by the grace of God you know we've got we want to go up against uh, Fox Go- News, Google, Google. You, can, can we talk about what you just got done doing? When did I just get done doing? No, him. What he just got done doing? He sent us all a text and said something was wrapped. Oh, oh. Can we talk we, about that? We got, yeah, we can. can we can got we? an app that we're going to be rolling out. Okay. A, a network, a network app. It's, we're hoping so, in the next 30 real? days, next 30 days, 60 days, we're actually going to be rolling out a network man. app. You know what that means? No more complaints about the podcast feed. Yeah. Oh, it's man. Gonna, so that's a good reason to sign up yes. for the app. Yeah. And, and we could not have done this without our club members. I'm uh, My goal in all this, this is my post-mill, um, I don't know, Theology just can't help myself, kind of thing. Okay. My goal is is to be, complete compete with Fox, and also uh, the way we're funding our what we're doing is through club memberships. Um, you know, the Blaze has over a hundred thousand club members. Yeah, I want to get there. Yeah, and I think we can. Um, but yeah. it's going to be a while. But so um, we're going. If you, if we're you like there. this show, if yeah. you like the other shows on the network, if you um, want to um, go up against Fox with us, mm. we, amen. We could appreciate your support. Yeah. Uh, go to crosspolitik.com or fight laugh feast. Dot com yep. and join today. Yeah. And so that's our economic plan. Pocahontas is releasing her economic plan. There are a lot of giant companies who like to call themselves American. But face it, they have no loyalty or allegiance to America. <laughs> Levi's Blue Jeans, only 2% of their factories are here in America. The maker of the famous number two pencil, they make most of those pencils in China, Mexico, and General Electric. They recently shipped jobs from Wisconsin across the border to Canada. The truth is that these American companies have only one real loyalty, and that's to their shareholders, a third of whom are foreign investors. If they can close up an American factory and ship jobs overseas to save a nickel, that is exactly what they'll do, hollowing out American cities along the way for decades. Washington politicians have let these big companies call all the shots of our trade agreements and our tax code, but not on my watch. In a Warren administration, government policy will support American workers. I call it economic patriotism. 
We'll create a new federal agency, the Department of Economic Development. I call it economic fascism. That's what Mussolini defined fascism as, as something that's working to the greater good of, of the state. Economic uh, patriotism. Yeah. No wonder what, what they're leaving. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, you, like, listen, I mean, she's got this pretty music playing. Yeah. And, 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 but you know what she's saying? We will force businesses to do what we want them to do. Yeah. Okay, that's fascism. Yeah, I mean, you're not even you're not even overstating. It. Yeah, I mean, right. usually no, Gabe no. overstates it. Not yeah. this time, but not no. this time. No. I can attest. It's for real. It's for real. Yeah. When she says economic patriotism, she she's saying the government will control businesses. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're leaving. That, that's, right. Stop it. Yeah. I, it's, Stop doing. There's and and the thing is, okay, so she calls it economic patriotism, right? Yeah. You know. Where are all the screams and cries of racist mm-hmm. that you will have America first? Oh, right, yeah. right, Uh-oh. right. That, that's you a have to put right. America first. Yeah. Yes, yeah, funny. Is that what you mean, yeah. Warren? Um, and here's the thing. Um, but those I, are two different ways of talking about doing it. So Trump is trying to actually encourage trading uh, in one sense or another, yeah. free trade. Yes, and she's going to cripple the very yeah. thing that she's. Yeah. But this is exactly called uh, Bisner said that when, when yeah. we had him on the show. Liberals end up hurting the exact people they say they want to help. Absolutely, right? yes, and they and they have no qualms with calling what they're doing by the exact opposite of what it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So the Department of Economic Development. I mean, just think yeah. of it as the Department of Economic Fascism. Uh, like, yeah. like, like, a new yeah. IRS. Yeah, right. I mean, Ooh. seriously. Yeah. I was reading somebody recently who actually he quoted somebody else saying uh, right after World War II said, um, "When fascism, if if fascism ever comes to America." It will come under the name of anti-fascism. Yeah. Antifa. Which is exactly what Antifa yep. is. Right. Anti-fascism. Right. And if you notice in the news, how upset are the media about it? Crickets. Not. Yeah. Very. Well, and one, one other, like, just simple economic point. One, why are companies building over, you know, building manufacturing over in Indonesia and then shipping all those goods and services back to the U.S.? Because it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, it's right. financially worth it. Yeah. yeah. How and it's crazy that we've created such economic perverse incentives in our country where we manufacture number two pencils over in Indonesia, China, yeah. you know, yeah, China, so, wherever. And it's cheaper, and we make money off it when we ship yeah. it back here to the oh, U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They've created that environment where yeah. the poor in other countries can be helped more, first before our own poor in America. Right? That's yeah. what kind of environment yeah. they create. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, right. the hollowing out the cities. I mean, come on, let's not blame that on the company. This is what you guys did to the company so they couldn't take Everything care of their people. Everything the government touches, it kills. <sighs> but but this is why we've we've um uh uh what what am I trying to say? We we we've structured or we've kind of tried to tell the story of of the democratic race as Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. that's right. what this is. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's, it is time to walk <laughs> that was away. A nice, that was a nice segue. Yeah. And towards <laughs> something totally different. People are lining up for food. That's a good thing. I'm a hugger, <laughs> I'm a kisser, and I'm a little bit of a snip. <laughs> Raising the minimum wage does not hurt business, it grows business. Well, well, so f***ing yeah. proud of you guys. I am Spartacus. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Dean. I love it. Gets it every time. And and um like I like the Democratic Party and the way their reasoning is just it, it's it's blowing my mind. And recently, Beto at a rally, uh, what, this actually what he did here just kind of infuriated me. My question is this: I was born September eighth, nineteen eighty nine, and I want to know if you think on September seventh, nineteen eighty eighty nine, my life had no value. Uh, of course I don't think that, and um, of course I'm glad that you're here. But you you um, referenced my answer in, in Ohio, and it remains the same. Th- this is a decision that neither you, nor I, nor the United States government should be making. That's a decision for the woman to make. Uh, we want her to have the best possible access to care and to a medical provider and, and I'll tell you the consequence of this this attack on women's right to choose and 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 I, I listened to you and I, and I heard your question I'm answering it um, and and the attack on on Roe versus Wade which we thought was the settled law of the land and unless we had any illusion 
that the achievements that we've made are protected forever or that progress is inevitable, that has been shattered right now. And I want to tell you some of the consequences of this. In my home state of Texas, thanks to these trap laws that uh, make it harder for uh, providers to offer the full spectrum of reproductive care, Incremental more legislation. than a quarter of our family planning clinics have closed. And it has made us one of the epicenters of this maternal mortality crisis because not only can you not get safe legal access to an abortion, you cannot get access to a cervical cancer screening or a family planning provider or in a state that refused to expand Medicaid, any yeah. provider at all. And we are losing the lives of women in our state as a result. Um, I, I don't question the decisions that, that a woman makes. I mean, only she knows um, what she knows, and I want to trust her with that. So I appreciate the question. Thank Elsa you. to Diana of Ephesus. No, uh, your, your life did not have meaning. Yeah. Yep, that's Th- what he that said. That was the answer. Yeah. The day before you were born, yep. it did not have meaning. The difference between September 8th and September 7th is yep. four sets. That's it. And, oh. You know, oh. That's it. You know, one of the things that oh. bothers me, especially at the end of this clip, he says, I, you know, I trust women. And that's, that's a big thing. I trust women to make the decision. Yeah. I believe women. That's, yeah. it's, it's all going back to that same thing again. Yeah. But that didn't work out so well for Emmett Till. Just to go ahead and just trust what women say. Oh. And that they know best. Oh. It hasn't worked out well for a lot of black men. It didn't work out well for Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Adam was black. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to own that right now. I'm just going to own that right now. <laughs> that was my people. But, you know, seriously, I, 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 to assume that he wants to talk about that we want to save the lives of women. Yeah. And at the same, I don't know how their mouth moves at the same time on each side of the oh, face. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing to me how you yeah. say you want to protect women and at the same time you're for killing women. Yeah. That, right, that yeah. doesn't make fifty percent of abortions end up with women dead. Yeah. yeah, this is yeah. this is a an ends justifies the means thing. Yeah, right. So he's he's basically saying that the right of the woman to decide if she, is she's going to um, bear this child or not. Yeah, and to murder her child or not trumps that man's yeah. life. Well, and, this, and and trumps all other things really. He yeah, probably want to force you to have vaccines though. Well, <laughs> yeah, of course, right. Yeah. But also, government knows best, Gabe. Yeah. And we need to keep bringing this up every time we see this. Where's the dad's choice in this? Yeah. Where's yeah. the father's choice in this? Because they're doing the same thing. The government owns, right. owns the baby. That's yeah. the baby's well, daddy. Yeah. When, when we've said this many times, but when Roe versus Wade came down and the Supreme Court said this was a decision between a, a, a woman and her physician, yeah. men got cut out. That's right. Fathers, that, that's maybe, I mean, next to the murder of the baby. Yeah, yeah. The next most wicked thing about that ruling yeah. Yeah. is that it said that men were not part of that Remove equation. fatherhood. It, it, it was an attack on fatherhood and husbands yeah. um, and has done as much damage. Yeah. Um, or, or at least right. in, uh, towards as much damage. Yeah. Well, I, one thing that's really interesting about this clip, too, is it, watch how he switches the game up. You know, when first he's talking, and all of a sudden, the guy here who you're sympathetic yeah. to, like, oh, man, no one wanted to kill you. He switches the, the whole game up to where he becomes the bad guy. Right. Yeah. He's, a, right. he's attacking the rights of yeah. women. Yeah. And he just mm-hmm. did that so quick. Yeah. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Look, Roe v. Wade is under threat. Here's your evidence. I mean, yeah. it was just the liberals are so smooth with that word game yeah. and able to turn the audience mm-hmm. so quickly right. well, against. And, and every good politician has 10 answers for every question. So you you let's say you'll get a hundred questions of a politician. Sure. They'll take it back to ten answers. He's actually this is his stump answer. Oh yeah, he said that he said I've heard the same answer regarding sure. abortion. Well, it works, and, and it works. Look at his crowd. Yeah, but he all... took he took that question from that young man yep. about uh, my value and my oh, meaning, yeah. and he turned it yeah. into a stump answer. Did not answer yeah. it at all. But bottom line is the Democratic Party and and their uh, presidential candidates are not to be con- trusted. The way they reason and how they reason is just off. All over the place, and you're getting interviews like this happening um, on behalf of the Democratic Party. Trump is as destructive a person in this century as Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were in the last century. He may be responsible for many more million deaths than they were. Oh my gosh! They, I think he mixed up Trump with Cecil Richards. Oh, right. <laughs> maybe he <laughs> Margaret those, Sanger. Margaret Sanger. Yeah. Maybe he got those two. Yeah. Mixed uh, up. Barack Obama. Maybe. I'm trying to figure out how many abortions happened under Barack Obama's eight eight year presidency. He cares about the children. Eight baby. million. He cares eight million, about the about children. Eight million babies. I'll answer that for you. He cares about the children. Yeah. How in the world do you even get there? Yeah. He he said what? He said that he was responsible. Play that again. Can you play it? Yes, I'll do. All right. 
Trump is as destructive a person in this century as Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were in the last century. Hey, he many, may be responsible people, for many more million deaths Mao. than they yep. were. How many so Jews ten, under Hitler? Ten million. At least around, around 10 million Jews. Okay. Stalin, Stalin, 20. 20? Mao? Mao, 70 to 100 million. 70 yep. million yep. in China. Did anybody say, sir, please shut up? <laughs> no. Did anybody say that's ridiculous? The beginning of this interview, he was talking about, um, what was he talking about? He was like, I forget. Being insane, like mentally, oh, yeah, mentally yeah. unstable or something? He was talking about, um, do not argue that Trump is mentally uh, ill. Yeah. He and said, that's an insult, an insult yeah. to the mentally, mentally Ill, Ill people. Yeah. yeah, this dude is mentally ill. He's off the hook. Well, here's another mentally ill presidential candidate. <laughs> but what we have to say about China, in fairness to China and its leadership, is if I'm not mistaken, they have made more progress in addressing extreme poverty than any country in the history of civilization. Breadline Bernie. Uh, Breadline Bernie. Line up in those lines. Excuse me. Yep. Go ahead, Toby. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, that's my move. <laughs> he is mistaken. Yeah. Really? He is very mistaken. They haven't done more than any other country to take care of the poor in their well, country? Well, you know, they murdered 70 to 100 million of them. Because mm. they were getting in the way and eating too much food. Oh, <laughs> you know that's how you yeah. thin out the bread lines. Oh, oh man, right? You start planking, planking one at a time. This is insane. Yeah. This is insane. Likening. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying Trump's perfect. I'm not saying Trump's righteous. I mean, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. he's mm-hmm. kind of whacked in certain ways, yeah. right? Yeah. But to compare, I mean, this this completely undoes any sense of proportion at all the interviewer on cnn can call trump a stalinist yeah. uh, uh, Mayo, and, 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 then, and sanders can yep. sit here with a straight face and say unless i'm mistaken <laughs> unless i'm mistaken um china has done more for the poor than any other country in the history of the world that, that, should, this, that comment right there should have ruined his whole campaign to be president yeah, he, they, they should be <laughs> shrieking he should be gone yeah, he should absolutely. be done where's it, the house it was like yeah. howard dean yelling yeah. It was ah! it was more ridiculous Absolutely. than Howard Dean yeah. But this just tells you how far we're gone. Yeah. Oh no. We, we've been eroded yeah. so far that You can that, say this in public and you can get away with and it. And you're still up you know in the running. You're 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 polling with yeah. Joe Biden and and yeah. and Pocahontas. Pocahontas uh, yeah. the, the thing though that I want to point out about this is that so the liberals are collectivists. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that means and and that's kind of the root of communism and and fascism ultimately, mm-hmm. which is just basically that um, the that the what is good for the whole mm-hmm. justifies things that need to be done right. to get there. Right. So yes, young man, your life was not meaningful yep. the day before you were born. That's right. For the rights of women to murder their babies, so that they whatever so called right. rights of women. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing goes here. He's a- assessing the good of China, yeah. while uh, Chairman Mao um, was this. Who was the the founder of the of the Chinese communist, communist regime, regime yeah. in China? Mm-hmm. Um, sent off seventy to hundred million people to their deaths. Well, well, even now, China has over a million Muslims in concentration yeah. camps. Yeah. And even now, Wang Yi is still in prison. Yeah, Wang Yi, the yeah. The, the, the pastor Wang Yi, the Presbyterian yep. pastor, is still in prison. Yep. Um, Hong Kong is. Is, is protesting as we yeah, speak, right. and they're sending in the troops to Hong Kong right, right now. Right, yep. and um, and breadline Bernie's like, yeah, look, yeah, and and the thing that you just see this is Here's that a good example Christianity. Christianity is the only worldview that can actually take this on. That's yeah. right. It's yep. the it's the ends, and and the reason is is because people are made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and so the ends doesn't justify the means. Yeah, right. Um, everyone is fallen right. and sinful, mm-hmm. and Christ died. Yep. For individual people yep. to make them right with him, yep. to take away their sins, uh, to reconcile them to himself. And, and that's how a just and good society is built. Mm. It, it, apart from that, um, you're going you're gonna to get sucked into some form of ends justifies the means. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, well, Jeremy's up. Thank you. I was going to help you. I didn't, I didn't know if you uh, <laughs> Jeremy Stahlnecker <laughs> coming up next. Did you know that we're doing a podcast right now? Mighty Oaks! We have... (laughs) More cross-politics when we come back. I didn't know the drugs were going to... I'm just trying to help. That's all. Okay, don't help. Here are 17 reasons to tune in to cross-politics. Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Steve Dace, Andrew Clavin, Brian Kilmeade, Ted Cruz, 
Alveda King, Ben Carson, George Gilder, Jordan Peterson. Almost. But we have had Doug Wilson, David Wheaton, Jonathan Merritt, Thomas DeLorenzo, Walter William, Indy Wilson, Donald Trump. <laughs> sort of. Oh. You can go away now. I don't want to hear any more questions. Cross-politic is the fastest-growing, unwoke, multiracial, theocratic, cisgender, patriarchal, post-millennial political podcast in the nation, in the world. In the universe. <laughs> you can listen to all these cross-politic shows on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network at fightlaughfeast.com. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local, like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical. Christian. Get connected. Get community. I saw you. You all, you were jumping, ready for his screen. Uh, thanks, Gabe. Gotcha. We're all scarred. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Yeah, it is. This segment is brought to you by Tenacore. Tenacore is an American design, development, and manufacturing company focused on creating concealment products built for every day. Tenacore designs uncompromising products that work. Their designs, like the Velo Appendix Carry Holster, are purpose built to keep your gun hidden and optimize performance. You got one of those on right I now? I do, and I think I need to upgrade. They have a new one that just came out they that do. I want. Is that right? Oh, they do. And let okay. me tell you, it conceals, baby. Yeah. Okay. If you mm. believe in protecting the people you care about <laughs> and practical everyday carry, and you believe Chocolate Knox, mm. then Tenacore products are built for you. Tenacore supports reliable guns trusted by professionals, including Glock, Sig Arms, and Smith & Wesson. And if you use the code CrossPolitik, you get 10%. That's off. That's you still real. Get the sticky thing that goes. That's just, real. Just and you still get that and, thing. And you get, yeah, and you yeah. get a special cross politics studio patch. Yes. Okay, you can't get it anywhere else. No, that's so the only place. You buy Tenacore. a holster yep. from Tenacore. Yep. Tenacore. Dot com. We are very glad and thankful to have with us on the show uh, Jeremy Stallnecker. Jeremy is the executive director of the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Some of you remember our interview with Chad Robichaux yeah. not too yeah. long ago. Yeah, that's Connected right. to this, the Mighty Oaks Foundation is dedicated to helping America's military warriors and their families who are suffering from the unseen wounds of combat, such as PTSD. Uh, following infantry officer uh, course in Quantico, Virginia, Jeremy was assigned to 1st Battalion, uh, 5th Marines, 1st Marine Division as an infantry pl- platoon commander mm. um, uh, back in... Um, Operation Iraqi Freedom, serving first as a rifle platoon commander in a helicopter command, uh, company, and then as a platoon commander of the counter-mechanized platoon. His road took him all the way to Baghdad, wow. um, and including seizing the presidential palace. Um, and then, you know, because he was, he was going for it, he also served for a, as a pastor. Well, yeah. He's like, I'm going to I'm going to up no, this that's, ante. Yeah. That's dangerous. I'm going to go. That's yeah. a real battle. <laughs> and, yeah, take a guess as to which one was harder. Yeah. Oh, 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 I know, brother. I, I know. I know. Uh, after serving as a pastor for a number of years, the door opened to a full time position uh, at Mighty Oaks Foundation, where he serves and ministers to hurting veterans and their families, um, and, along with his wife Susan and their four children. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us on Cross Politic. Uh, it's awesome to be with you guys. Appreciate it. Hey, are, are you in the are you in the Bay Area still? No, I'm down in uh, down near San Diego in Southern California. Okay, yeah, well, we, you did, you did I, serve as a pastor in the Bay Area. I did. I was up in uh, just south of Oakland for yeah. seven years. Yeah. But uh, our office is now for Mighty Oaks down in Southern California. So my my claim my claim to fame was I played uh, community college basketball at Solano Community College in Fairfield Vacaville area. So. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. So I was in the city of Fremont. <laughs> my, you might know that area. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that area. Yeah, Yours, yeah. That's famous. That's, that's my claim to fame right there. <laughs> hey, I whatever. played Juco ball. What's up? Thing. We all have our thing. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. right. We're well, really important. Thanks, so. Jeremy. Thank you. So, Jeremy, um, <laughs> speaking of claims to fame, what's your role at Mighty Oaks, and how did your life prepare you for this? My role at Mighty Oaks, uh, you guys have talked to Chad, which is, which is awesome. Chad and his wife founded the foundation, obviously, um, back in 2011, 2012, started the program, really the way that we run it today. And I met Chad. I was pastoring, uh, again, up in the Bay Area. Met Chad, 
we became friends. He asked me to help with the program. He was just trying to get it moving. And so we dug in together and, and uh, figured it out. So over time, uh, I was helping and it grew into a bigger position. Um, I was pastoring and had to decide <laughs> which one I was going to do full time sure. because I was kind of doing both full time at some point. Mm, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then, uh, came on board and as the executive director, now I serve kind of as the administrative, uh, leader of the organization and then assist with a lot of the speaking and writing and those kind of things, um, training our, our leaders and anywhere that I can. It's, you know, as our organization grows, that role has changed, but, um, kind of the buck stops on my desk. So, mm. so you're, you obviously, uh, Mighty Oaks basically serves broken soldiers, broken people. Um, you know, God, God designed men to fight and protect their families and nations. Why are so many men coming home broken? I mean, part of it, part of it's by design that we're supposed to protect. Um, you know, what's, what's the situation why we come home also broken? Yeah. So, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised, um, by a pastor. My dad started a church when I was a kid and, and, um, I was around that and I always, you know, kind of joke, kind of half joke that the one thing you learn growing up in a pastor's home is that you don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> so uh, I went to my dad when I was a teenager and said, hey, I'd like to enlist in the Marine Corps. And he's like, no, God doesn't want that for you, anything but that. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was awesome and supported us through that. And and so I ended up in the Marine Corps coming from a Christian home, a Christian background, uh, strong faith, uh, went to combat, and then you know came back and went into ministry. So while I was serving in the Marine Corps, I heard things about post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, combat trauma. This was in the early 2000s, so it was it was a new area of uh, discussion and research and um, right. you know, kind of pseudoscience. Yeah. And so I, coming from a faith background and you know believing in the sufficiency of Scripture and and um, you know my dad <laughs> growing up uh, loved Jay Adams and talked about aesthetic counseling and yeah. the answer oh, yeah. every question is in the Bible. So yeah. Yeah. you know that's where I came from. And so as I looked at these things, I, I kind of kind of smugly maybe went, "There's nothing there." Like this is this is just guys who aren't stepping up and doing what they're supposed to do. Right. Okay. Um, then, then I came home from Iraq and and uh, transitioned out of the military into ministry. I served as an associate pastor for five years mm-hmm. um, here in Southern California, and that transition was horrible for me. Mm-hmm. And you'd think it'd be a good one. I came from a good home. Yeah. I had a great wife, uh, a pastor that loved me, the church family that I was now joining, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. It took me about a year to get my feet underneath me. I was angry. I got thrown out of staff meetings at church. I was just, I was a mess. I was wow. just a train wreck. Like, like this is not good. This is not how it's supposed to work. Right. Wow. Um, you know, I always say I went from leading Marines in combat to trying to convince people to like clean the bathrooms on Saturday before church. Um, and it was just a really, really hard transition. For Get on me. the floor. Clean <laughs> yeah. the bathroom. Scrub, scrub, Why scrub. Why do you do that? Right. And it, it, you know, it's like people do what you tell them to do. I just took over a country, you know, not by myself. There were, you know, a couple other people there. Right. But I felt like I did it on my own. Yeah. And now I can't get people to do what they signed up to do. Right. Yeah. And so it was, it was super, super frustrating. And so I started to rethink this thing of combat trauma and post-traumatic stress and um, you know, I always say it took me a year to get over that. My wife, you know, we, we speak together on some of these issues sometimes. And uh, I heard her say like two weeks ago, uh, it took us 10 years to really start <laughs> moving past this stuff. Mm. 10 years. I mean, I was pastoring and she's like, yeah, you were a mess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Good woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. Great. yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, so really trying to understand some of that. And for me, I separated out as much as I could from the military. I had to kind of turn my back, you know, in a sense from my service because I was trying to move forward, trying to, uh, you know, get beyond a lot of that, the anger and the frustration and so forth. And then 10 years later, I reconnected with several of the guys I served with in Iraq. And I mean, for the first time I realized, shoot, man, I brought these guys home. And I was super proud of myself for that. And, you know, we did some pretty important things and people will write about it in history books for a long time. But then when I got home, I walked away from them and several of them took their own lives, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ruined homes, yeah. uh, killed in combat later on. Yeah. You know, the, the whole slew of, of, of uh, you know, issues you think about when you think about veterans and service. Right. And, and, and that was the first time. So 10 years after my service, I was really confronted with this, this truth that, 
when you put your uniform back in the closet, your service isn't over because there are still people who are hurting and I still have a responsibility to help them. So again, I had to look at this thing again and go, well, what's the real problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's taken me a long time to come to, you know, answer to the question, you know, you're asking, we're created to do this. Why do we come back so hurt and so broken? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is identity. We find our identity. For me, that's what I struggled with. I found my identity in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be a Marine from the time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. My whole life was pointing toward that. I served in combat and then I was out. Mm-hmm. So my identity at that time, I was a Christian, but you know, in my mind, it wasn't in Christ. It wasn't in who I was right. created to be. Right. Yeah. It was in a uniform. It was in a rank. It was in a service. It was right. in a, you know, an event. That's how I felt so I playing the, community college basketball. It's just yeah, my identity yeah, well, was all exactly wrapped up the in same, really. <laughs> so it, I appreciate being able to talk to people who understand on a very emotional level what I what I've gone through. Yeah. And so, so your community college experience is, <laughs> is something we, that I really do appreciate. We are really sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. You know, Jeremy, let's say you have a young man who's coming out of that situation, who's fresh off the off the field. Where do you start at with him? Yeah. So okay. So you know, going back to to identity. Um, so that's one thing, right? Yeah. The other thing is just the foundation. <laughs> Uh, you know, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Right. Well, the foundations of our country have been destroyed. Yeah. And so you now have young men and women going into the military with um, no real spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then they deal with these traumas. They deal with these, these issues of uh, identity and, and all of the things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And they have no way to, to align back to what they're really supposed to be. So where do we start with someone that, that's come back from the military is we start by saying, okay, first of all, there is a creator. Now you don't have to accept that. You don't have to believe it, but you at least need to give us the opportunity to talk to you about it. Mm. So we'll start there. There is a creator. If there's a creator, then there's a, there's a design, there's a plan. And if there's a plan, then we need to figure out what that is. Mm. And we just start to walk toward that, uh, give hope where hope is necessary, find hope, you know, for today, but then find the eternal hope, understand that, there is a purpose beyond the military and just start to walk toward, toward that. Um, I believe that, you know, trauma is something that happens to everyone, not just people who served in the military. Um, trauma is something that, you know, most people can relate to. Military people have this way. Veterans have this way of putting up walls between their trauma and help. And so as a veteran, as someone who's been through that, we can say, look, the path forward is understanding there is still purpose. There is still hope. There is still meaning. There is still value. And that trauma doesn't have to have control over you if you'll move toward what you were actually created to accomplish. Is, it, is there been a relationship between kind of the, uh, or do you see it this way, an increase in, in secular worldview and an increase in, in like PTSD? Uh, you know, I, I think of... Um, you know, in our in our past war, I know I know men would come home from battle and have trauma, have you know some sort of PTSD, shell shock, right. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but but he also think like you know Louis Zamperini came home after three years and in, in concentration camp and obviously had some real problems, but then he came to the Lord and that really helped him deal with his you know his PTSD and his yeah. experience. Um, but he was there yeah. for three years, and I know uh, men who come home for nine months and have PTSD. You know. Um, yeah, kind of an I, open-ended question there, but yeah, I think that PTSD is overdiagnosed. First of all, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I also think that um, prescription medication used to treat post-traumatic stress and combat trauma is a big contributing factor to why mm. people are dealing with what they're dealing with. Wow. Um, yeah. But beyond that, you know, and those are two other conversations. But beyond that, uh, absolutely, I think that when we look to the greatest generation that came back from World War II. You know, they experienced combat trauma and post-traumatic stress. It wasn't called that. It's had uh, a lot of different names over time. Um, but they experienced the physiological impact of, you know, you know the, the, the terrors of war, <laughs> you know, the stuff that they dealt with in combat. Sure. And, and you can see that in some of those lives. But they came back to family units and they came back to communities. They came back to churches. Mm-hmm. They came back to places where there was a foundation that they can then build a life on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where now many of these men and women are coming back to broken families, 
They've never had a family. They don't know what a family unit is supposed to look like. Mm, right. They've never been part of a faith community at all. Their local community, their cities, their, their towns, where they come from, um, are so segmented and broken. There's, there's nothing there for them. So they come back carrying the trauma, carrying the hurt, carrying the pain, and then they deal with it the best they can through alcohol, through drugs, through yeah. you know, bad decisions, other stuff. Right. We talk about resiliency. We talk about being able to bounce back or align back to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have that something in the first place, you yeah. have nothing to bounce back to. Right. Wow. And, you know, so for us, a lot of it is saying you don't have the thing to bounce back to. So we're going to drive the stake in the ground and show you what it looks like. Yeah. And maybe you've never had this in your life before, but if you will align to it, uh, again, the trauma loses control. It doesn't mean the physiological stuff goes away. It doesn't mean you're not going to be afraid for no reason when you encounter some similar situation to combat the memories don't go away. None of it goes away. It just doesn't have a control over you anymore. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How do you counsel a young man, uh, maybe on the other side, like, th- like, you know, it's or your, before. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. it's your teenage self. You know, maybe if, yeah. you, if you had the opportunity to talk to yourself as a 16 or a 17 year old young man, how would you, how would you counsel him? And maybe there's a couple of I mean areas like thinking about just staying faithful to Christ. Um, right. You know, staying pure. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and then, but also, like, how do you better prepare somebody going into it for, for what's for what's yeah. on the other side? Yeah. yeah, that's that's a really important question, and that's something that when we talk about our resiliency effort as an organization, we try to get out on the front end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking to Christians, it's easier to communicate this, but missional living, uh, living the the Great Commission, <laughs> is the best way to prepare for what you're going to deal with. Mm-hmm. If a young person goes into the military with no uh, purpose, no direction, no foundation, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what God has created me to do or accomplish. Right? Uh, they're gonna, they're not gonna make it. It's gonna, and if they do, it's gonna be because someone came alongside and, and pulled them up. Yeah. Um, the best thing you can do to prepare for the military, in my opinion, and, and this is not just the military. This is, you know, this is life. Okay. But the best thing you can pre- you can do to prepare to be in a secular environment is to have a relationship with Christ, to, you know, be growing in that relationship. Uh, as you mentioned, to remain pure, there's a, a very strong correlation between uh, sexual abuse and pornography and post-traumatic stress. Okay. Mm. Very, very real correlation. Interesting. Um, so, you know, all of those things, certainly. Um, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, if you struggle with those before the military, you certainly will struggle with them in the military. Yeah. Um, but then it's understanding while I'm here, while I'm in the military, there is a purpose. God can use me here. Um, my time in the military, I grew up in a Christian home, as I mentioned. Um, I got close to being able to go into the military. The things were, st- the, the pieces were starting to come together for me and people started pushing back on me. Why would you do that? Um, God can't use you there. It's a dark place. We had a family friend at the time who was in the Marine Corps and said, why in the world would Christians want to take the light out of the darkness? This is an opportunity for you. And he's talking to me as an 18 year old kid. Yeah. This is an opportunity for you to be the light to people that really need light. And I'll tell you this, <laughs> that changed the way I looked at my time in the Marine Corps. Mm. Um, and it allowed me to, to share the gospel, to be open about my faith, to, to deal with some of the stuff that comes with that. But honestly, if you have a sincere uh, faith built on integrity, people will make fun of you for a minute and then they'll stop because mm. it's real to you. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've had the opportunity or had the opportunity to lead guys to Christ. Uh, one of my best friends now is a guy who was in my platoon who came home, came to church with me, accepted Christ. He serves as a deacon at our church. That's fantastic. Um, Amen. There are incredible Amen. opportunities if you just you see it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as a young person, you need to see it right. You need to know uh, God has placed me here just like any other mission field. Um, and this isn't being an obnoxious, you know, uh, I was going to use some words there. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't about being obnoxious to everyone I come in contact with. It's about having a real, authentic relationship with Christ. Yeah. Sure. And if you have that, people will come to you, mm. and you can then share the truth with them. It, um, it, that would be my best advice to a Christian young person. It, it seems like it seems like the um, the politics and the politicians have hampered the military's ability to actually bring the gospel. Um, it used to be the you know the chaplains were just outright straight up Christians, and it used to be yeah. that that um, Christianity was far more allowed and used in the military um, than it, than it is currently. Um, so, uh, you know, how do, how do you, how do we address like the central problem with politicians actually fooling with and messing with uh, the ability driving to bring the Christ yeah, out, out of the out military. Of the military? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, on the so on two 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 places, I would I would look at that. One is, you know, on the political side, as Christians who vote and have influence, we need to do what we can to deal with that. So that's one thing. Sure. But I mean, to me, and this is me. <laughs> yeah. But to me, I really don't care, and I, I'm just being honest with you. If Christian people will be Christian people in the military, then people who aren't Christians will come to Christ. It's just true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like for a lot of Christian people, they look at the chaplaincy, and we, there are some great chaplains that, that are doing a great job, and I'm thankful for good chaplains. But I think a lot of Christians look at the chaplain and say, well, it's their job to evangelize the lost in the military. Um, I hope that they can do that. But as an infantry officer in the Marine Corps, I had a better opportunity, I think, on a very uh, fundamental level uh, to evangelize the lost in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And I mean, really, the answer to me in all of these issues, uh, I like politics. I follow politics. I just don't put a lot of hope in politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the answer is Christians being authentically Christian and letting God authentically use them. Mm. And that will change the whole conversation. And, and organizationally, we've seen that happen. Mm. Um, where the chaplains can't use us because of the restrictions, yeah. the unit leaders um, at every level are pulling us in saying, we don't really care what you do. But we got to do something. Yeah. And if That's you need right. to bring faith, then bring faith. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Jeremy Stalnecker, the executive director at Mighty Oaks Foundation. What's the website we can catch you at, Jeremy? MightyOaksProgram.org. MightyOaksPrograms.org. Hey, brother. Thank you for coming on the show. More cross politics when we come back. If you need a little red meat in your diet, Pastor Doug Wilson. The demand for absolute tolerance is a transitional move designed and intended to break down the old norms. The demand for absolute tolerance does not and cannot countenance sacrilege toward the new norms. This is why the devotees of the new tolerance are the most fiercely intolerant people on the planet. They tolerate transgression of the old norms. In fact, they positively encourage it in the name of sacred tolerance. But if someone throws a dead cat at the high altar of their rarefied and holy sensibilities, polyamorous, transgender, trans, trans-abled, whatever, woe we'll betide that guy, as we say. To enjoy more red meat of this kind, check out the podcast on iTunes or for more blogging of this particular nature, blog and may blog at dougwills.com. Kind of sticks in your teeth, don't it? (laughs) Oh, man. My my glass is empty. Man, I really like Mighty Oaks, guys. I, I need something. Uh, Chad yeah. Robicho, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. I like what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, I appreciate you know? that. Yeah. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. If you're not a member yet, what's wrong with you people? Mm. Oh. Look at what I'm going to do with my glass right now. Look at what I got. And while limited. While, 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 while uh, Limited supplies last. Yes. <laughs> I'm talking like Gabe. While supplies last. Oh, my can, favorite. Uh, get yourself time out. one of these pint glasses. Hey, yo. <laughs> no beer for the black man. Okay. And, <laughs> all right. Here you go. I'll, I'll give you some. Mm. I think there's more in there. That's, that's enough. I'll take just that. Oh, this he, is my glass. This he my found. Glass. Oh. He found some. Give me. Give me. Oh, look at that. Oh, Ooh, okay. out of a can. What? You, I'm in. You want some moose drool? What? No, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. All right. Okay. Can you make this open with your ring? Dude. Do you got? Do you got a titanium ring? I don't know. Mm. Hey, this segment is brought to you by Classical Conversations. Classical Conversations believes that parents are the best teachers of their children. Classical Conversations is committed to helping families homeschool successfully all the way through high school. Their program offers community, encouragement, fellowship, accountability, and support from like-minded parents, rich downloadable resources, online forums, video tutorials, tried and trusted learning framework with recommended assignments, trained parent tutors that model the classical approach, share the love of learning through a Christian worldview, and fellowship with other families. Classical Conversations families thrive using three keys to a great education, classical, Christian, and community. Mm. Classicalconversations.com. Um, you know, we hit this a lot. Are you taking a selfie right now? Right yeah, now? That beer, that beer looks so good in that pint. I'm okay. doing a show. I'm just saying. All right. um, you know, we, we hit this a lot, but it's, you know, it can be so overwhelming if you haven't been thinking about doing Christian education for your kids. Yeah. yeah. It can be so overwhelming to think, yeah, those guys on there, they're always hitting, like, get your kids out of the public schools, Parents, educate your children in the Lord. And they're like, but I just can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. There are so many resources out there. Class of Conversations is one of them. Yep. Um, there are, just look it up. Just do, do it. some hunting. 
by faith yeah. in God, recognize that God's called you yeah. to train up your children. Get in the fight. It's kind of hard to complain about the things in the culture if you're not. That's the number yeah. one place to engage is with yeah. your children. Your right kids there. are arrows. That's right. You, Didn't you, I say that? You remember our last, uh, our last Sunday, um, our executive pastor had a great exhortation. Yeah. And he, he just basically, at the end of church, he laid out the numbers. He oh, said, yeah. if, if, yeah. you're, if, you're, if you are a faithful husband and wife, and let's say you have yeah. four children, yeah. and then let's say you raise your children up faithfully, and then they have four children each. And then they raise up their children faithfully, and then each of those um, sixteen children have four faithful children each, and so forth. Yeah, you do the math, and about by about twenty twenty two 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 hundred and no two thousand two hundred two thousand two hundred in about one hundred fifty years, yeah. you'll have a town that size of about five hundred thousand people. Yeah, your family will have a town, a Christian town that in, in Boise, I think it takes about two hundred thousand votes to get a governor elected here yeah. in Idaho or something. Yeah. And and you have a town that that rules Idaho, but that means you have to prioritize like God teaches you to prioritize. That's, That's right. right. It means Amen. you need to believe the word of God, yep. and it means that you're going to live and you're going to die. Yeah, and your descendants are going to realize yeah. the That's fruit. Right. It, it That's is, what it means to be a Christian, though. Yeah. Right. And, and it's better uh, to obey God than sacrifice. Hey guys, cheers. Yeah. These hey, gla- man. This oh, beer yeah. is really good, and yeah. um, thank you. Fight Laugh Feast. Fight Laugh Feast, there man. You go. Hope you, hopefully, hopefully, wherever you are, if you're driving, you probably probably shouldn't mm, have any thing in, in, your, in your pint glass that's alcoholic. But you know, yeah. otherwise, um, hook it up. Um, so there's there's good Trump and there's bad Trump. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you were you were trying to convince us of that. Yeah. yeah. yeah there, mm. <laughs> good, I just say the Lord draws straight with crooked sticks, so. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm I think you got that from somebody. Uh, yeah. mm, well, well, I mean, I there's, there's, there's obvious examples where, like, hey, Trump, that was, a- a- amen, yeah. that was sure, good. Sure, and then there's sure. bad Trump, you know, three wives, and then he tweets something that's like, why are you picking a fight? Why are you saying that you're uh, the savior of the Jews? Mm. That's bad Trump, right? Mm. <laughs> Jews love me. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. and, and he knocked the Christians and the Jews, poked them both in yeah, there at the right. same time. <laughs> I'm the second coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. Good Trump and bad Trump. Bad Trump. Okay? All right, gotcha. Okay. This uh, um, this last week, uh, Trump was at the G7 summit, and he didn't show up to the meeting where they're going to talk about the environment. Did not show up. You have all the leaders from G7 there, and right. there's an empty chair a chair with Trump. Yeah, and that's, it's probably- that's good Trump. Yeah, <laughs> right. And at that meeting, and yeah. part of it, you know, Trump pulled off the pulled out of the Paris Agreement, right, which meant. The U.S. in that agreement, the U.S. was going to commit like something like two hundred million dollars to other countries to help them with their environmental. Have they seen our policies. deficit? Yeah, right. I know exactly. Yeah. How are we going to commit what we go, don't have? Good on Trump I not know. showing up. Exactly. So he doesn't show up. Yes. And and then at the G seven summit, they talked about uh, helping out Brazil with the Amazon forest fires, and, and they all committed. The people there committed twenty million dollars to help the president of Brazil. Brazil, and the president turned it down. He says, "No, I don't want that." And then I think like a week later, this this the beginning end of this week, uh, the president of um, Trudeau, whatever his name is, of Canada, <laughs> committed fifteen million dollars to help uh, Brazil with their forest fires and planes. Wait, to help is put is it this out. the same? Is this the Amazon forest fires? Yeah. The this is the one that all yeah. the the Hollywood elites are like, <gasps> see global warming. Yeah. Oh. And then it turns out there are no. This is totally normal. Yeah. This is just fire season in the Amazon. Is, yeah. is this what Sister Theology was talking about when she said this is a, 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 what was a racist it? fire or something? Environmental racism. Yeah, I think go. that's what she said. Was that? Yeah. That's the same yeah. Thing? Well, that's I don't awful. know because I'm blocked by her. Oh. You remember okay. that? And so, I, I, and so I, I the just, president of Brazil said, no, I don't need your money. Don't treat me like a colony. I know what comes with your money. Oh. Woo. That yes. was really good. Yes. And so I, I, I think. If only Americans can understand that. If we can understand oh, what happens when the government just oh, wants to bro. give us money. We're being colonized. We're, we're being colonized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's have another sip. Christian, when you yeah. send your kids yeah. to public yeah. school, you're being colonized. Oh. Right? Oh, man. Take, Cri- the, take the money from the, from the government. You're being colonized. You're being colonized. That's you, right. We need, some, we need some backbone like the president of Brazil. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think this comes down to is like um, uh, J.D. Greer this last week. <laughs> um <laughs> We're going. How we're did go. we just? All right, <laughs> strap in, everybody. What this comes down to is JD Greer, yeah, the president exactly. of the Southern Baptist Convention. Strap in. This yeah. is going to be heavy. Okay, here we go. Well, nice you know, we've talked about this on the show before, where um, Christians have the and don't have an uh, ability to read the slippery slope. Oh, uh, we watched well, some of his worship service. Yeah, oh we did. Goodness. Yeah, we did. I, I'm scarred from that. That was last. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. The break dancing and all that was going on. Oh my gracious! Yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Well, to tie this in, you know, the president of Brazil sees the slippery slope. You give me money, you're going to be yeah. colonizing me. Yeah. Right. 
And and then you take so, the king's money, yep. you become the king's man. That's right. But right. What we've been doing in our uh, in our theology that we've been we've been making up this new th- theology in the last twenty years about homosexuality in the church and right. about how to handle um, uh, politics in the public square, how Christians should be engaged in, in public squares. Should we bring our faith? Should we not? You know, right. all these and. And we haven't been able to identify the slippery slope of our own theology, right? And then how that works out practically in our lives in the public square. We don't. We don't take. We don't necessarily take the king's coin to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. We begin by taking the king's clothes mm-hmm. and the king's mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. and the king's respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we do that in all kinds of ways. We do it mm-hmm. culturally. Yeah. You know, we, or we want to be respected in in um, in academia. We want to be respected in the culture. Yeah. Um, we want to yeah. be seen as cool yeah. and with well, it. And let me add to that. J.D. Greer, I think this was the, probably two or three months ago, he said, he was in a, in, he's being interviewed, and he said, if at the end of the day you look at it and feel like whoever the Democratic candidate is, you feel like that all the different things, this is the better of the options, well, that's great. Basically, he's saying, you can... If at the end of the day you feel like you need to vote for the Democrat because you think he's the better can- uh, yeah. candidate, then that's great. Right. So the thing about this is the problematic is that he's technically right and it doesn't exist. Yeah. Show, show me a Democrat that right. you should vote for. I mean, that, that's that, – yeah. and right. so he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's mm-hmm. it's, it's like, yes, technically speaking, if you found the Democrat – who says all abortion is murder uh-huh. and marriage is between one man and one woman yeah. and the government has a specific limited task from God and that's it. Yeah. And we need to execute murderers because yeah. the Bible says, yeah. and then you got the Republican who's, yeah. who's doing the opposite or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Right. Vote for the Democrat in that instance. Yeah. But show me that person. Where does he exist? Yeah. yeah. Right. The closest thing I can think of Katrina Jackson down in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. District 16. I think she works okay. that up. She's pro-life She's Democrat, pro-life Democrat. Yep. She's, Hardcore push in Louisiana to yep. be pro-life. Um, she calls Louisiana the pro- most pro-life state yeah. in the union. So yep. I, she's interesting to me because yeah. I'd love to talk to her to see if the, at least the conversation is open sure. now to yeah. engage. Yeah. So, but the point is, is that. <sighs> well, I, I want to say the point is that J.D. Greer is being ignorant. He's being pastorally dunce and ignorant in all this. Um, yeah, dunce. You know, like. The dunce hat? Dunce. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's an article that came all out right. in PJ Media last week. Yeah. Where uh, he was basically arguing, basically kind of laying out the case why Christians voted for Trump. And oh, because they're it, mentally un, unwell? No, no. That no. Like I said? If you remember under the Trump administration, all the attacks that he did on Christians in the Trump administration. Do you mean all, Trump? Uh, no, Obama. no, Obama. Excuse me. La, 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 la. Under the Obama administration, all the attacks <laughs> yeah. that Obama's administration oh, yeah. and departments and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and well, Democratic states actually well, pulled on Christians. Yeah. They targeted the Sisters of the Nuns, right? Sisters, uh, um, uh, they targeted the sisters in Colorado. They targeted Hobby Lobby. Yeah. They targeted, uh, I mean, I, everybody, everybody. Yeah, all, all these Christians. That, and then challenge. no wonder after eight years of right. Obama t- proactively targeting Christians, Funding all the abortion, all the rest of it. All of a sudden we turn around and vote for Trump. Yeah. And then, and then JD Greer's like, Hey, yeah. you, but, if you find a good but, democratic candidate, I understand if yeah. you feel like voting for him, it's okay. I don't think he's naive. No. I don't think he's. I was thinking you were going to say dense earlier. I don't. I don't think he's slow. I don't think he's naive. I think he knows exactly what he's doing, and which was what makes him dangerous. Which is what makes him dangerous. Oh, I think he's an intelligent man. I think he's a sharp man. I don't like that you said that. And I think he knows what he's doing. And I think he is trying to thread a needle that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't exist. And and so that means it's a woke needle. It, well, yeah, but it's it, it's it's trying to basically say I can be sort of politically neutral. Yeah. And, um, and, and there's certain, you know, principles that he can uh, own in that, you know, I don't want to be political in, in the sense that I'm being co-opted by politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that, um, what he's actually saying and what he's leading people to do and believe is that I can go into the, into the voting booth yeah. and it's like flipping a coin yep. and that's bad pastoring. And it's how you feel. Yeah. It's bad pastoring. No, basically we're in a situation now where, um, you know, 99.9% of the Democrats hate God and hate God's world yeah. and hate what the Bible stands for. And about 70% of the Republicans do too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's high. Well, yeah. I would say J.D. Greer is but, ignorant to the implications of what he's saying. I don't think he is. Really? No. no I don't think he is either. No. No, no. He's too intelligent for that. And, and it's, it's interesting. And, and the reason is, is because 
if you associate yourself with Republicans, you're associated with Trump, and that's uncool. Yeah, you know, I think but that, being associated with Obama is cool. He's it, trying to play. Is. he's trying to play a neutral game in politics that yes. doesn't exist. That's right. Yeah. And there is no neutrality in this at all. And and one thing is interesting. I don't care if you do find a pro life Democrat, he would be running on the Republican ticket if you really believe those things, <laughs> right. because yeah. there's no way that on that platform that you stand right. that you're going to be able to do anything with your convictions. If you if you think that a pro life Democrat is going to be able to stand on those foundations uh, as a Democrat and get things passed that are going to get uh, more life that are going to make abortion illegal, get real. That yeah. does not exist, no, I, and that platform is always going to pull him yeah. uh, to where they want him to go. Right, and I and I think this is connected to his stuff on homosexuality, which he just published. In, is this a new article? Yeah, um, this is the last week. This last week. Yeah. Um, Three ways we go wrong when discussing homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Number one, we're wrong if we believe God doesn't care about our sexuality. Okay, sure. He does. Whatever. He made his male and female. Yeah, he, he, he cares. <laughs> that, was, that was a softball. It was a softball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number two, we're wrong if we think same-sex behavior is a fundamentally different type of sin. It is. No, J.D. Greer, you're wrong. Absolutely. Um, pastor, is, is murder with, with, all, with all due respect, the Bible does categorize different sins differently. Now, there's a half-truth in here, yeah. and the half-truth is... Jesus died for all sin. Yeah. Right. And and so there's no kind of sin that's um so bad that right. Christ's blood can't make you clean. That's Amen. Right. Okay? Yeah. We believe that and that's absolutely true. So in that sense, all sin is the same in the sense that it can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Right. But the Bible does not teach that all sin has the exact same um, level of ramifications. No. Or does, I mean, murder really is a worse sin yeah. than talking back to your mom. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay? I mean, they're right. both sins, yeah, and right. Jesus died for both of them. But One of them mur- can get you the death penalty. And murder, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can see this in the penalties. Right. Yeah, Okay? Absolutely. If you steal something, that's bad, and it's sinful, and yeah. you need to put it back, yeah. and you need to pay it back, and, and pay back the damages and so forth. But again, that's not as evil. Right. It's not as damaging as sodomy. Yeah. And if and if you've been forgiven much, that means you love much. If if yes. Jesus' words right. mean nothing, the, yeah. if if you flatten out right. sins. Exactly. The, the point of that is not to keep you in your sin. No. Yeah. The point is to say Jesus died for that and it was horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus died for that. Number right. three, we're wrong if we assume it's hard for LGBT people to get to heaven. Again, it's sort of just confusing, but the next sentence is let he'd me say, say he'd say it'd be hard for rich to get to heaven. Yeah, but <laughs> let me say something very clearly. This is Pastor Greer. Homosexuality does not send you to hell. Again, it's why are we playing with this? It, because yes. why are we yeah. playing with because this? Because yeah. the world, mm-hmm. the flesh, and the devil is after us. Mm-hmm. The world. Yep. It's it's uncool and it's unpopular to say what Paul says in First Corinthians six which is that all of these sins, fornication, adultery, sodomy, effeminacy, effeminacy, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, technically speaking, what sends you to hell? Well, God sends you to hell, right? right? Because you cling to your sin and you refuse his grace. Yes, God sends people to hell who reject his grace. Um, But your sins are what you're clinging to, which is what is taking you to hell. Right. And then you go, he likes to say, I know that because being heterosexual doesn't send you to heaven. That's a false, it's a false those. dichotomy. Yeah. It, it, yeah, of course it doesn't. But the, the half truth in there, of course, is the fact that when we are saved by Jesus, he restores us to being men and women. Right. Yeah, that's right. Which means to he, being heterosexual. he restores yep. us to heterosexuality. That's right. Those that's are, right. that's some of the, the gift of being made new and being filled with the spirit is yeah, that he restores he, us. He's taken that away. He's taken, look, for, where there's great sin, there's great grace. Yeah. And he's taken that away from the person who actually yeah. needs to hear that grace. Yeah. The thing, the thing real quick, I know you're playing your music. I know you're doing your thing. He's holding it tight. I just want to point out here, though, that what you have going on in the church is actually not different than what Breadline Bernie and yep. Beto is doing. Yep. That's right. That's okay? exactly what right. What you have in a soft way and in a much lesser way is that you have this idea that the end justifies the means if we get them into church then that justifies yeah yeah my soft my theological stance i don't want to be too harsh i don't want to say what the bible says about homosexuality because that might turn them off i don't want to have biblical worship ordered by the word of god amen because they'll think it's 
old and stuffy or something. I'd rather have Beyonce uh, songs uh, in my what? worship service. Serious, right? Yep. Um, I, I don't want to say what the Bible says and do what the Bible says because I'm afraid of what it might do. Man. Well, what you're doing is sacrificing the, the it, it, disobediently to God. Yep. You're sacrificing obedience. Remember what Samuel told Saul? Yep. Yeah, that's right. right. He shows up and says, what's this sound in my ears? And, I got something for God. And Saul says... <laughs> I got, yeah, I, I, well, <laughs> I brought some goats and cows. I, I'm going to sacrifice them to God. Yeah. And, and Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. And, and so we need to just be committed to this. Do we want to see, you want to see your city taken for Jesus? Yeah. You want to see this nation taken for Jesus? You want to see people repent? That's right. Well, then we need to obey, yeah. right? And not take the easy way out. And call it sacrifice. Yeah. That's right. Well, well, I'm I'm becoming friends with him. I'm I'm going no obey. Yeah. yeah. Obey. And of course, obedience means love your enemies. Yeah. It means love your husband, love your wife, love your children. Yeah. Right. Be kind. Be forgiving. Do good to those who have wronged you and harmed you. Amen. If you're single, get married, have kids, go baptize. <laughs> Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. This tastes better in this glass. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I said that last I, week. I Even water better. tastes better yeah, in the better. glass. It does. I'm telling you. <laughs>